All right, Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes in this way righteousness that is by law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed in our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into the earth. Their their words to the end of the world. Again I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Thanks, Jared. Keep your Bibles open to Romans chapter 10. And just give me one second. How's that? Close your ears. Okay. We're good? Back it up just a little bit there. Good? All right. There we go. I'm not going to let it beat me this time. If you've been here any amount of time, you know this time. Oh. Time. Close your ears, close your ears, close your ears. Testing, one, two, hello? All right. What in the world? Does the devil think he's going to win? I mean, come on, right? Come on. We're in Romans for crying out loud. We're just going to keep going in Romans probably till Jesus comes back, if you, if you think of that. We are back on our Romans road trip. Long, uh, Paul's longest epistle, his most important epistle, his deepest Epistle, we've taken some time off for Christmas messages and a New Year's message, but we 
jump back into Romans chapter 10, and we don't have time to review where we've been because it's taken us almost a year to get here, but, uh, um, but uh, if you want to go back, you can re- listen to any of those messages online, and they're available for you, and I'm really excited about today. My heart is so full as we begin Romans 10 because Romans 10 is about relationship with God. It's about our relationship with God. It's not just about Paul talking about the Israelites a couple thousand years ago. It's about our relationship with God. As we begin a new year, we have two choices in how we're going to relate to God. And Paul talks about it in his epistles here. And um, I want you to just kind of follow along in Romans chapter 10. And so you can see the verses that I'm talking about. But I'm going to kind of preach through uh, Romans 10 so that you can write down the choices we have to make in how we're going to relate to God. So Paul begins this epistle, as you can see there in verse 1, with a deep concern for his people Israel. That, that's in chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11. He loves them. He has this deep concern for them. And uh, he applauds them for their zeal. They're a zealous people. They are zealous for God's law. They knew God's law. They had memorized God's law. They had memorized the Ten Commandments, the the whole law given to Moses in the first five books of the Old Testament. They had that in their heart. They did their best to keep the law. They even tried to convert Gentiles to keep the law. They were zealous for the law of God. But Paul talks about it very early there in this chapter that that is not how you get close to God. He says that there's this fundamental misunderstanding, this fundamental flaw in the way they think about how we relate to God. That is not how you stay right with God. You're not going to stay right with God by keeping all the rules. But that's what they thought. If I keep all the rules, then I'm right with God. And before we get too hard on Israel, let's take a look in the mirror. Everybody thinks that's how you get right with God. It doesn't matter the people group or the culture or the religion. People think it's natural inside our human desire that I'm going to get to God. I'm going to do something so that I can be close to God. That's universal. It's, it's everywhere. It's even in Christians that we think we have to do something to gain God's love or earn His favor. And the reality is, is that you don't have to go out as so many people try to do to make this sacrifice or that sacrifice or I'm going to do this thing or that thing or I'm going to make this pilgrimage or I'm going to do this crazy big thing for God and somehow I'm going to be close to Him. That's not how it works. Christ came to both fulfill and remove the need for the law in our life. Christ came and it's over. We've got to begin to think of the law as a mode of transportation, like a train, getting us from point A to point B, and that's what it does. I think of people, we live a couple blocks away from a metro stop at our house, and and, uh, you know when the train stops because all of a sudden people start kind of walking through the neighborhood to get to their house, and and they've they've arrived at their destination. It's taken them from where they work, maybe downtown and out to the suburbs, and they're going to their home, and that's what a train does. When it reaches its destination, you get off the train and you go home. You don't stay in the train and get comfortable and and kind of make it your place of residence. No, when you get home, you get off the train. It is time to exit and it's time to go home. And in the story of God, the law is a temporary thing for our lives. It's a means to an end to reveal our sinfulness and lead us to the cross at Calvary. That's what the law is. That's what it's designed for. And too often, we remain in the law. And when you remain in the law, remember what Paul said 
is the law brings death. You, you remain in the law. You want to be in Christ. You want to be in the Spirit. And so you can either serve God by being 100% good and be right with Him and have your own righteousness. And, and if you want to try to do that, good luck. It's doomed to failure because no one's perfect. You know what? We've already seen the road signs as we've gone along that, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can't be 100% good and right with God, but you can be on the other side 100% forgiven. That's how you can be right with God. By being 100% forgiven. And the only blood sacrifice that allows us to be 100% forgiven is the blood sacrifice that Jesus shed on the cross. And it's through Him that it removes the law from our life, the guilt and the condemnation and the shame. We desire to be right with God. We desire this righteousness. And, and, and we want to, but how do we get right with God? That's the question. You know, and, and the Israelites answered it one way, but Paul says that's not the way you do it. He, he goes back to, to Moses' speech at the end of Deuteronomy that you read. If you're reading through the story, as Pastor Fred said, it was this week that we read uh, Moses' farewell speech. And he says about going to the highest heights and the lowest depths. And Paul says, you don't have to go to the highest heavens or the lowest depths of hell to find Jesus. You don't have to make this great pilgrimage. It's not far away. It's not about accomplishing some great feat. He says it's only by faith. It's always been by faith. It will always be by faith. It is by faith in Christ. It is not something far away. Actually, it's something quite near to us. If you look in verse 8, if you have your Bibles open, look in verse 8. It's so near. This, this right relationship with God is so near that it's in our mouth and it's in our heart. That's how close God is. You don't have to accomplish some great feat. You don't have to go some great distance. It's right there. God's plan. His sacrifice is so wonderful and so complete that your effort is not required in the process. There's nothing you can do to earn God's favor, God's love. There is nothing. It is, you can't do anything. The only requirement for salvation is that we believe and that we confess. Amen. We hit the next road sign on the, on the road sign on the, the side of the road, and, and it's on the screen behind me, and it's Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. We've been hitting these road signs, but here it is, the big one. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. What are the requirements for salvation? Do really good things. Do your pilgrimage. Go really... No, he says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Believing precedes confessing. And it's not just an intellectual, yes, I know that Jesus lived, and I know it's true, and I believe the Bible. No, it's saying, I believe that Jesus loves me. That He died on the cross for me. That I partake in His crucifixion, and as He was raised from the dead, I partake in His new life. And in His work, I am saved, and I confess that with my mouth, Wow! That's what salvation is. It's believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. And I love verse 13. Look at verse 13 with me. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. 
everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. There are no distinctions. I want to tell you today, I don't care who you are, if you can hear my voice, if you are alive and drawing breath, salvation is available for you. It's just that simple. God loves you. He died on a cross for your sins. And He wants a relationship with you. It doesn't matter who you are. In this case, whether you're an Israelite or a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. Your ethnicity, the color of your skin. It doesn't matter if you've gone to school or if you're uneducated. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. There is no distinction in God. He loves you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But here's the bottom line that gets us to our choices. Is that we have a choice to make. To either choose or reject the Word that is preached to us. To, to, to hold on and have faith activated in our heart and to believe. Or to reject the Word as it is preached. See, he talks about that that we we need to hear the Word in order to apply it to our life, in order to respond to it. And by faith, we respond as a believer to the Word of God. The the Word has to be preached, and then I have a choice. Am I going to accept what God is saying, or am I going to reject what God is saying? And that's important to, to think about that this morning, because throughout God's Word, His arms are outstretched. He he says in love, come to me. I I want a relationship with you. He says it throughout the New Testament in the Gospel. There's no doubt about it. But even in the Old Testament, he uses prophets like Hosea and Isaiah and Jeremiah. And he says, please come back to me. I want to be in relationship with you. That's God's heart. His heart is for relationship. And Israel had rejected God at this point, but But I want to tell you this very clearly is that that was not part of God's plan that Israel would reject him. That was not it. That's not God's heart. They had chosen to do that. That's what they were doing. But but God didn't have them just a part of the story at the beginning. God wanted them a part of his forever story. He wants Israel to be a part of his forever story. He wants you to be a part of his forever story. He wants you to hear the word and respond to the word and come close to him. So today, I'm going to write on the board the two choices you have. The choice you have when it comes to your relationship with God. We're in a brand new year, and I know that you want to go deeper in God. I mean, we, were, we, we had such an awesome time Wednesday night in our prayer and worship night. We sold out of Bibles when we said we were going to read through the Bible in the month. I mean, you guys are hungry for God. I know that. You want a deeper relationship with God. But there's two ways to go about it. And so I'm going to write these on the board. I want you to write them down, and you get to make the choice today. We have this up here. Some people thought I was going to do puppets or something up here, but we're actually going to write on the board this morning. And so there's two ways. The first way is I can relate to God through my works. That's, that's the first way. The, the problem with that, if we relate to God through our works, we're actually, that's what we call the law. And so I can choose to say, you know what, I want to be close to God. And so then in my New Year's resolutions, what I'm going to do is I am going to read through the Bible in a month like Pastor Darrell said. I'm going to come to the prayer and worship nights. I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and then I'll be right with God and then I'll be good. 
Do not trust in what you can do. Do not trust in the works of the law, is what Paul's saying. This is doomed to failure. That resolution is doomed to failure. It doesn't work. You can never be 100% good. It's not going to happen. And unfortunately, this is how almost everybody in the world relates to God. And, And again, we're not just talking about Israel and the book of Romans. We're talking about us today. Is I'm going to do this and then I'm going to be right with God. There's another way. A better way that Paul gives us here. And that's I can relate to God through words. I can relate to God through words. And when I relate through words, what I'm relating to is the gospel. Or the good news. That's what gospel means. The good news. I'm going to relate to to God that way. Instead of trusting in me and my works, I'm going to trust in him. In his work. I'm going to come to him. I'm going to confess my faith in him. That he died on a cross. That he rose from the dead. And I'm going to accept his righteousness into my life. And basically what we're doing is we're saying, look, I can't keep the law. I am a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. But Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins. And he's the one who kept the law perfectly. He was 100% good. But he died for our sins. And these are the two choices you have today. I can relate to God through my works and the law, or I can relate to God through my words and my confession of faith. See this in Luke 15 as Sheresh shared his testimony last week. And what a powerful testimony of coming to know Jesus on Christmas Day from hearing the prodigal son preached. But this is the story of the prodigal son, isn't it? doesn't matter if you're the younger son who ran away or the older son who stayed and worked for God. They both thought, this is how I relate to the father. The younger son knew that he blew it. He knew that he could never be good. He knew that it was, it was done. That relationship was finished because he had blown it. He had messed up. There's no way the father will love me. And the older son thought, well, I'll just, I'll just keep working for him. I'll keep doing more. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just keep going and, and dad will love me. They both had it wrong. The father just wanted relationship. At the end of the story, he's begging the older son, come in and eat. Your, your younger brother's in there. We're having a party. We're eating together. Just come in. All the dad wants is relationship. And that's what God desires today, right now. He doesn't care if you read through the Bible in a month. He doesn't care if you come to the to the prayer and worship nights on Wednesday nights. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to be responsive to His Word so that when you do read through the Bible in the month, that the Bible's speaking to you. That's what He wants. That when you come to the prayer and worship night, that you say, God, I want you. I don't care who's here. I don't care what songs we sing. I don't care who sees me. God, I want you. And we become responsive to God. That's what, that's what makes a relationship alive when we respond to one another. If you go back to chapter 9, I don't want to go back and dig up all that theology, but if you remember in chapter 9, 
that, that it talks about God choosing Moses and rejecting Pharaoh and, and not just them, but other people throughout the, the passage. And what we talked about is, is that God didn't choose Moses just because he was a good guy. He chose Moses because he was responsive to the call. That he was responsive to God's voice. And when he was responsive, God says, I choose you. And Pharaoh wasn't rejected just because he was a bad guy. He was rejected because he was not responsive to God. He was not obedient when God gave an order. That's what hardened his heart. That's what put him on the outside with God. It's our responsiveness to this relationship. And so as we enter into this relationship, I want to just give you a few things here before we go. And, and maybe these are some things you can journal about because I've been journaling about them. And just what makes a good relationship? Obviously, this Thursday, we're going to have our marriage seminar and we're going to learn what it takes to have a good relationship. And, and those are important times. But what about our relationship with God? I just began to write down some, some characteristics of a good or healthy relationship. And, and, I, and these are just quick. These are mine. These aren't yours. But if you want to write them down, you can. But, but just, first of all, there's got to be love. There's got to be love. And then that love, it, it comes from the heart. It's full of passion. <clears throat> it's a caring kind of love. There has to be trust or faith. There has to be commitment. There has to be harmony and honor. There's got to be priority. You've got to make the other person a priority. In this case, God. You've got to make them a priority. You've got to spend time. Time is an important part of relationship. Communication, an important part of relationship. But again, not just talking, listening. How important is listening in a relationship, in our relationship with God? A sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, to the leading of God. There has to be honesty, speaking truthfully from the heart. There has to be, what we'd say, gratitude or thankfulness or appreciation. When there's appreciation in a relationship, it's a beautiful thing. And there has to be that. There has to be this generous part of a relationship. In, in a relationship, it's not all about receiving, it's also about giving. And, and we need to be generous givers in our relationship. You're supposed to have fun in relationships, aren't you? Isn't that what makes a relationship alive and exciting? You need to have fun. There needs to be stability. He's the rock. There needs to be stability in our relationship. There, there needs to be maturity in our relationship. Those are just some few things this week I've been journaling. That's no way exhaustive. I know you could come up with a lot more, and if we put our minds together, we could go. But that's what our relationship with God is about. It's not about doing things. And I want us to begin to stop. A lot, I hear this all the time, and I, I know the heart with which it's said, but, it, but don't, let's not say it anymore. A lot of people say, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for God. This new year, I'm going to live for God. You don't need to live for God. What you need to do is live from God. Live from God. Live from that relationship. That when you spend time with Him and you meet Him in your quiet place, when you meet Him in that moment of prayer, and you meditate on His Word, and you, and you get God inside of you, 
when you think about his love, I, I just so appreciated our worship today as we just meditated on God's love for us. That when we have these things, uh, God's life begins to flow out of us. It's not like, I'm going to live for God now. No. God's going to live for me. God's going to come. You know, it's going to, it's going to be an overflow of my time with God. I'm going to get close to Him. And again, it's not about doing things for Him. It's now doing things from Him. There's just fruit in my life because of this relationship that I have with God. I think a great way of explaining this is it comes from Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for, it is right, for if righteousness could have been gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. He says, I'm crucified. I don't live anymore. It's Christ living in me. I'm living from the overflow of God inside of me. I've been full of the power of the Holy Spirit. There's something new inside of me. I love that. That verse, it just says, it's all about Him. It's not about me anymore. On Wednesday night, I, I shared just shortly, briefly, very briefly, and, and if you were here, this will be a repeat, but I've, just, I've been, been just basking in revival, reading about revivals, whether it be Scripture or, or um, also uh, not only Scripture, but uh, uh, historical revivals, and I just, I just, I'm so excited about what God can do in a revival. And I shared about Gypsy Smith. I don't know if you guys remember from um, uh, England. He's an English revivalist. And when he would go to a town, he would draw a circle. And I didn't want to draw a circle in the carpet, so we got a hula hoop. And, uh, but he would draw a circle in the ground, wherever he was going to uh, hold a revival or, or, or pray for revival. And he would draw that circle. And um, he would just uh, kneel in that circle. And he would say, dear Lord, send revival and start right here in this circle. And he would just kneel and cry out to the Lord. Lord, send revival, but start right here in this circle. And we just kind of drew circles in a prayer on Wednesday night. And we just spent some time with God saying, God, send revival, but start right here. Start with me. And there's a principle in the Word of God that we all know. That what's done in secret will be exposed in public. And we immediately think toward the negative side of that, don't we? That if I'm sinning in private, it'll be exposed in public. And it will. It will. That's a principle from God's Word. But there's a positive side to that too. That what I do with God in secret will begin to be made public in my life. That when I begin to get into that relationship with God, that'll begin to flow out of my life in a very public and very real way. And that's what God desires for you today. That's what He desires for me today, is to be in that relationship with Him. Not telling Him what we can do for Him, but living from Him. And that's where I want us to go today as we close our time together. And I'm just going to invite you to spend some time with God. We're purposely stopping right now so that we can have a time of prayer. I don't want to tell you, hey, okay, we need to pray, we need to be close to God, and then just send you out the door and we forget about it because there's football games coming on TV. I want us to do it right now. 
And so Pastor Jonathan is just going to come up. He's just going to be playing quietly for our prayer time. And then we'll, then we'll worship the Lord for a few minutes before we go as well. And then at that time, the, the, the team will join him and we're going to worship the Lord. But right now, we're coming into relationship with him. And before we pray, I want to just look at you and talk to you for a moment. And anybody that hears my voice can respond to this. We have to hear the Word and respond to the Word. And the way we start a relationship with God is by confessing it with our mouth. And I want to lead us in a prayer today. If you say, you know what, I know I'm not 100% good. I have blown it. I have messed up. The law of God reveals to us that we are without excuse. We already did that, Romans 1-3. through 3. We don't have any excuse. We have all chosen to disobey, disregard, walk away from God. But God in His love came, He died on a cross, and He desires a relationship with you. And, and so what I want you to do is I want you to confess with your mouth this morning your belief in Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you'll be a new person. He's going to change you. You're going to become His child. The reason you were created was for fellowship, a relationship with Him. And that's how you begin the relationship. By believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. So I'd like you to bow your heads and your hearts with me across this place. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're listening on the radio. I don't know, but... It doesn't matter. Today is your day of salvation. To make this commitment from your heart, to walk in that relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to spend some time with God. Maybe it's been a while since you slipped to your knees and you can do that where you're sitting or up front or maybe in another part of the sanctuary where it's, it's not too many people and I just want you to spend some time with God. You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can do whatever. But here, I wanted to share this with you before we pray. The other day, I had some time with Mark, our youngest. I call him Marky. And, and um, I'm like, Mark, what do you want to do? He said, I don't know, Dad. What? We could play football. You know, we could play a game. We could go for a walk. What do you want to do, Dad? And I said, Mark, I don't care. I just want to be with you. We'll do whatever. And I believe that's the heart of the Father. Right now, as we pray, don't pray, God, what do you want to do? God just wants to be with you. Do you understand that? He just wants you to love Him, to trust Him, to, to, to all the attributes of a good That's what He wants with you. And so if you want to, I'm just going to go over and admire, and I'm going to slip to my knees, and I'm just going to spend some time with God. Whatever you want to do, just spend some time with the Lord right now. We'll worship God before we go. But I just want you to have some time with God. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of relationship. This is the year that we draw near to God. And so right now, through the words of your heart, just draw near to the Lord. And let's spend some time with Him this morning.
to the Holy Spirit this morning, and, and, and so we're just going to spend some time with the Lord, and, and, I, and I don't mean to interrupt, but there was just a, a word from the Lord that uh, there's someone here that needs to be set free, and maybe they're wondering if they can be set free, 
Maybe they, oh, I've done this or I've done that or, or the devil has a hold on me here. You know what? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There are no chains so strong that hold you back. There's nothing you've done or that you are doing that you can't be set free from. That was the word of the Lord this morning. That there, Jesus is here to set you free. And you're not set free by what you do. You're set free by what He has done. God, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are setting free. Even as we clap right now, you are setting free. You are breaking the chains of the enemy. That we belong to you. We do not belong to the devil. We do not belong to this world. We do not even belong to ourselves. God, we belong to you. We are your children. Lord, even as we just spend time with you, our Heavenly Father, right now, I pray that you come in and you set us free and you wash us clean. God, that you do something that only you can do. Lord, we believe that today. We believe that today, God, that you are doing your work among us. We love you, God, today. We honor you, God. We thank you for your mighty power, God. We just bask a few more moments in your, your presence, God, today. We don't want to be in a hurry, Lord. Thank you, God. Pastor Jonathan, we just sing that again.
feel led of the Lord just to keep our time open with Him. I don't feel like we should be in a hurry or in a rush. So um, we're just going to wait on the Lord for a while. Just about spending time with Him and relationship with Him. So that's what we're going to do. because it's uh, a family appointment or something you have to get to. I don't want you to feel bad about going, but but I'm just going to let the Lord dismiss you. I just feel like it's an open time with the Lord, just an open time. But as I bless you, I just want to remind you that uh, uh, we give an offering to the poor at the first of each month. And and, um, just because of how God was moving last week and this week, we just don't want to stop and take it up. There'll be an offering played in the lobby, and again, anything like that would go to the poor that are among us or in our community, and if you feel led, don't feel obligated. This is just an above and beyond offering, so if you'd like to give, you can give in the lobby. There's a prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, men's Bible study, women's Bible study, our marriage seminar on Thursday to continue on with God, but right now, let's just keep this time open with the Lord. I'm going to give you the blessing, and Pastor John, if we could just sing that song again, and when you feel led of the Lord to go, you can go. But let's receive that blessing of relationship that we have from Him. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May He show you His favor and give you His peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that comes not because of what we do or have done, but because you love us and because we are in relationship with you. God, I thank you that we are part of your forever story. And Lord, this is just a taste of heaven and things to come. Lord, we keep our hearts open to you this morning. And Lord, may we just have a few more minutes with you before we go back out into the world and and live from you. May we be full of you as we leave this place. May your presence be upon us now as we continue to worship and pray. Thank you, Lord.